0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is the Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dana Gubby Freeland joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte The UFC is back in the apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 83, headlined by Chris Gutierrez versus Song Yadong. We, of course, will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights as part of Fights Dogs and Parlays, where we'll also hit you with an underdog in a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, in addition to all that, we're also giving you an interview with Jamie Malarkey, who is fighting on the card, and Alpenny Pagoa, who will be fighting later next week at LFA. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high-handicap hackers, committed cornhole hawkers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game up! Bring you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, joining me today is Jamie Malarkey who fights Nasrat Hakkaraz at UFC Vegas 83. That fight is on December 9th. So, Jamie, I wanted to start here. This is going to be your fourth fight in 2023. You know, if you look back at your record in the UFC, you've never really had a year where you've had more than two fights in a year. H- how's the body holding up through all of these uh, these training camps and these
1: fights?
2: Yeah, it's been a busy year. Um, It's actually been really good, man. Um, I've, I've, I think... Especially for this fight, I um, uh, this is the best that I've felt for a UFC fight to date. Like uh, I think the back-to-back camps, as long as there's no uh, serious injuries, it it works in your favor, man. Um, my mind and my body are are on fire at the moment, so um, I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited to just go out there and perform because uh, I know it's going to be the best one yet.
0: And when you say the back-to-back camps have been really advantageous for you, is it been that you know it's sort of your cardio never goes away and it just keeps building on itself do you feel like you're picking up things stylistically or you know athletically like what what about the back-to-back camps has worked so well for you
2: yeah I think it's like everything together man to be honest um it's the physical because I started the camp in such a a good spot you know I didn't I didn't uh go have a you know a month or six weeks of like getting fat and getting lazy (laughs) um not that i do that heaps anyway but you know like i just i just started camping a very very good spot physically and um yeah mentally as well like uh the active fighters um it's it's all coming together in the gym i think uh my skills are just getting sharper and sharper and um that's that's where i think it's just been the the biggest advantage eh.
0: Well, that's good to hear. And now you mentioned, you know, getting out of these fights with no injuries has been a big piece of being active. That that fight with John Mcdessey was like, you know, a back and forth brawl. You know, you're bloodied up pretty good at certain parts of it. Like, is, is that, did you take no damage in that fight whatsoever?
2: Um, no, I just cut a lot of bumps and bruises, really. That was about it. Um, I, I, even though it looked really bloody, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. There was like one little cut here and maybe a little one there. Just a lot of blood. My, my skin breaks a bit easier than others, but um, <laughs> no, nah, I, I didn't take much damage, man. There was a couple of bumps and bruises that we let heal up in in a week or so, about a week or two, and uh, then I was back into it.
0: And I know, obviously, you know this, that fight's past us at this point. You, you won a unanimous decision. McDessie obviously made a big deal about you winning a, a unanimous decision and all the judges going your way. There were, you know, mm. so- social media posts over and over again. Do you see that stuff? Does it bother you? You know, like, how, how do you react to to seeing your opponent after, you know, a, a good back and forth fight? You know, sort of be so bent out of shape with everything.
2: Uh no, it doesn't really bother me. Um, it's it is what it is. Like uh, a close fight, anything can happen. Um, and that's, that's, that's what that is. Like, uh, you know, if you, yeah, you know, I, am I'm, I'm confident that I won that fight. I'm very confident. And, um, and yeah, like if you, if you want to look at it that way, that's on you. But, um, I, I just think that it was like, it definitely could have been a split decision. Um, I could have seen that, but all three judges saw it going my way. Um, so that's that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned that you're a guy who bleeds easy, right? Like you you get hit, you you do a lot of bleeding. Do you worry about that in a fight when, you know, you sort of get nicked up that the judges are going to see that blood and sort of, you know, think you're maybe taking more damage than you are?
2: Uh, I don't worry about it because there's nothing you can do about it. Um, there's (laughs) not really, it's just, it's just, is what it is. Um, if I get like a cut, like a week before a fight, I'm like, "Fuck, my like, fuck, I'm gonna bleed now." And the judges look, make it like they they look like uh you're winning. But man, to be honest, I, I don't want this fight going to the judges. That's what that is my motive. Like, cause I'm um I haven't had a finish for a while. And I, before I got into the UFC, I had uh you know I think it was like one fight of mine went the distance. I had 13. 12 finishes and um that that's how that's my style that's how I fight obviously the higher the level the harder it is but uh that's what that's what my goal is this this fight ain't going to the judges
0: and I want to talk about that fight in a second too but before I do you know we're right near the new year it's usually a time I like to ask fighters you know you, you had four fights this year or this is going to be your fourth fight this year we come out of this one with a win three and one really good year to move you up the rankings do you have goals sort of like circled for what you'd like to do in 2024? We looking for a super active year again. What what are you sort of hoping for in the new year?
2: Yeah, for sure. I uh, like man. If my body is okay, my mind. I know my mind's okay. I know my mind wants it, so <laughs> that's what I want to do. I want to I want to get active, get straight back in there, and I want the flights that are gonna get me closer to the belt and closer to those rankings. Um, obviously not speaking too far ahead but that is the goal right the goal is to get to that belt i want that gold belt so um i see myself like i've I've competed with those guys i've competed with guys that are, you know the jalen turner i've competed with guys that are in that sort of top 15 sort of and like i've done well so i and there's been some massive learning curves in there as well for me um so I'm, I'm excited, man, and I'm, I'm, I am I want to get into that top 15 and start really making a name and uh, like opening some eyes. Absolutely. Now, the, obviously, the first step to that is winning on December 9th. So
0: you're fighting Nazrat Hakkaras. It's worth noting, this is a guy you've been booked with a fight for already. You know, you were supposed to fight him back in February down in Australia. He pulled out of that. Now, granted, he pulled out of that kind of early. Were you in any kind of training camp or in any kind of preparation work for him by the time he had pulled out?
2: Yeah, I think it was only a week or two. I think we had only got the fight and then he uh pulled out about a week or two later. So um yeah, then, then that obviously uh went out the window with with that camp. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't much much uh prep. But um it was even just good to even get that and just I uh, you know, even just studying him. I already studied him a little bit. I knew that we would fight again. I knew that they'd make that fight again. So um, I'd, I've had my eye on him, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. It should be a good fight. Absolutely.
0: And so you, you said, obviously, you've had your eye on him for a while. You, you know some of his tendencies. What do you think about
2: him stylistically and, and how he matches up to some of the things that you do? Yeah, he's, he's a great fighter, great skills. He uh, fights with high rhythm, high tempo. Um, it's 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 going to be a good, fun fight, man. Uh, I think that I've got to establish myself early and and really let him know that uh it, it's my fight and I'm I'm leading the dance not not let him get off on his rhythm and his picky pitter-patter picky shots get in get out I'm going to establish that uh that center of that cage and uh make making my fight
0: I love it I love it so you know I usually like to ask this question before I let any buddy go how does this one end give me a prediction for uh December 9th
2: uh man i don't like making predictions really <laughs> but uh you're gonna see a fun fight you're gonna see a good fight um and it's gonna end with uh my me getting my hand raised of course
0: <laughs> all right well you're here to hear first folks this has been jamie balarkey who fights nazirah at ufc vegas 83 that fight is on once again december 9th jamie thank you so much for the time man i really appreciate it thank you appreciate it bro well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Jamie Mullarkey. I, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. Joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Jermonte. Dave, let's talk really quickly about last weekend. UFC Austin was an absolute banger. But speaking of bangers, the thing I want to talk about the most is the slam KOs. Back-to-back fights, we get these vicious slam knockouts. One on an armbar attempt, one on a triangle attempt. We have the announcer, Michael Bisping, suggest that perhaps... This could be a new trend in MMA. Are you buying or selling, Bisping's guess, that this could potentially be a trend in MMA?
3: I'm selling on that. I don't think it's going to be a trend in MMA. And of course, it could. let's say it was a trend in MMA, then people are smart enough to stop attempting like arm bars from the bottom, if that really is the case. So I don't think this is going to go the way of where we see like 20 slam KOs the rest of the year. Um, I think it's wild that it happened back to back. Like, what are the odds? But the first thing I go to as well, and I don't know if anyone commented on it, is just was the ring harder that night? Was there something under that ring? Was the setup any different than any other time? Now, I still give legitimacy to what happened. Um, you know, I, I'm not suggesting there was like concrete under there or something, but uh, this is a known thing in BJJ and why you don't try to attempt these ty- types of things like in the streets, as they say. Um, Or rather, as someone starts to pick you up, you hook a leg, you try to not let this happen and be picked up. I think BJJ practitioners know the dangers of this. Um, So really long winded answer. But no, I don't think this is the start of a trend. What about you?
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh A, to your point, I, I think the escape and the the way out of it is super simple, right? Like you let go or or you grab the leg or you, you know, you do something to mitigate the impact. You don't just hang on for dear life, which is kind of what both of these guys did. And I also think you have to consider the fighters who are getting knocked out here too. You know, one of them, Joe Selecki, you know, like a Wiley veteran in his own right, but one who badly needed a grappling match in that fight. Right. Like him versus Dracar Klose was never going to go his way on the feet. So once he had it on the ground, he was almost like, like you know, like like I just said, hanging on for dear life. That's his style of fighting and he needed it to stay there. So like this was his way of making sure it stayed there. Um, And obviously he paid the price. The other one, Zach Reese. I mean, the guy's six and zero and he's never fought outside of the first round in his entire professional career he's green. He's green as hell. And he came up against the guy who, you know, Cody Brundage, not the best record in MMA, but that dude has seen some things, right? Like he's nine and six or 10 and six in his career. He's been training at factory X forever. He's been in the UFC for years. Like this is a guy who's, who's been around for a while and seen a lot of things. So, you know, sort of to my point, not, not only are you, you know, could you question maybe what was going on in the environment, but also just like, ask yourself, like, Why were these guys the guys who got knocked out? And I think you can see that it probably won't be a continued trend.
3: Yeah, it's something we'll keep our eye on here. I have a feeling MMA is such a reactionary community that no one going for a sub attempt from the bottom anymore is going to hold on or they're going to do what they need to do to hook the leg, keep that posture low. So I think we're both in alignment there, but let's keep an eye on it. We'll come back in a few months and see if we're both wrong. That being said, I'll tell you one we're never wrong, and that's in Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, our favorite segment on the show. We break down a couple of fights, give you a dog to play, give you a parlay to play, and we're doing it for UFC Vegas 83. So before we get into that segment, Gumby i'm wondering does anyone sponsor this edition of fights dogs and parlays
0: absolutely fights dogs and parlays brought to you by game up heart hydration welcome to the game welcome to game up Hard hydration the new ready to drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun uh, game up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just don't work out game up plays entirely in a league of its own and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors orange lemon lime fruit punch and grape and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories one gram of carbs it's gluten free and it's got no added sugar Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team.
3: All right. Fun little main event here. Song Yadong, a minus 300 favorite. Chris Gutierrez, a plus 250 dog. Song Yadong is coming up a win over Ricky Simon via TKO. He had lost to Corey Sanhagen before that. Before that Sanhagen fight that he lost via Dr. Stoppage. Uh, He was on a three-fight win streak, looking very good, had a couple of KO wins there in that three-fight win streak over uh, Marion Marais and Julio Arce, Uh, but then the UFC said, here's Corey Sanhagen, have fun, so he gets the loss, but I love seeing a guy after a high-profile loss, he comes back, puts a win right back on the board, he finds himself as a minus 300 favorite to Chris Gutierrez, who's also coming off a win um, back in October, so just a short turnaround for him. Uh, you know, about a month and a half ago over Alatang Hailey. Uh He had lost to Pedro Muniz before that, and he himself had a four-fight win streak in the UFC, beating the likes of Frankie Edgar in there. Uh, so if you want to peel it back, he's 5-1 and one in his last six, but finds himself a plus 250 dog here. Who you
0: got? I'm actually going to go big dog right out of the gate here. I'm going to take Chris Gutierrez. I... Uh, First of all, I I think we're overrating the price here on Song Yudong a little bit. Should he be a favorite based on, you know, the fact that he's been in a five round fight twice, the fact that he was in there with Sanhagen, although Sanhagen took it to him kind of. Sure, I I can understand why we would put him in there as a favorite. But I also think Gutierrez is being underrated here. He's got crazy knockout power. He's a guy who's been in there in some absolute wars. You know, you mentioned the Pedro Munoz fight. He, He was in there in an absolute war. And also, I think he's got one weapon that I think people are sleeping on a little bit, and that's the leg kicks. You know, Dong's a guy who sits down on his punches a lot. He likes to throw a lot of big power. Obviously, we've seen that in some of his knockouts. But if you sit down on a lot of those against Chris Gutierrez, Gutierrez rips those legs. In fact, he has a TKO due to leg kicks on a fight he took on short notice up a weight class. Like, that is an incredible way to really put a stamp on uh, the way that you, you fight these fights. So I, I'm going to go with Chris Gutierrez. Here. I love
3: a strong dog play right off the top. I myself am sticking with the dong, but I know what you're saying. I think plus three or excuse me, minus 300 way too much on him. I think the odds should be a little tighter. So I definitely respect the dog play in this one. Very possible. Uh, Khalil Roundtree is on a four fight win streak coming off a TKO over Chris Dawkins. Roundtree is a minus 250 favorite taken on Anthony Smith, a former title challenger, who's a plus 190. Anthony Smith is coming off a win over Ryan Spann via split decision. He had lost to Johnny Walker and Magomed a lot before that he's been doing some more commentating I always worry about guys when it sort of feels like they have one foot out the door so Anthony Smith a plus 190 called a two to one dog against Khalil Roundtree on a four fight win streak who you got
0: you gotta go Roundtree here I know Anthony Smith has been in there with good guys but let's face it he did not beat Johnny Walker or uh, Ryan Spann in that fight that that fight should have gone to Ryan Spann very clearly and that was coming as from somebody who picked Anthony Smith to win that fight really he's on a three fight losing streak as you mentioned the commentary worries me and he's taking this fight on short notice against the guy who hits so freaking hard in Khalil Roundtree uh you know you, you can like Anthony Smith you can like his grappling game I just think he's gonna get hit once hard enough here that this one's over
3: all right no no complaints from me there I think that's the fair play Jin Young Park is a minus 275 favorite to Andre Muniz a plus 200 Muniz, very interesting UFC career, debuted in 2018 on Dana White's Contender Series with a win. Had to come back, reprove himself on Dana White's Contender Series with another win. So if you count Dana White's Contender Series, he started his UFC career at 7-0, up to and including beating Uriah Hall back in July of 2022. But since that Hall fight, since that seven-fight win streak, he's lost to Brandon Allen via rear naked choke and lost to Paul Craig via TKO. Now facing Jin Young Park, who's on a four-fight win streak himself, coming off a big rear naked choke victory over Albert Duryev. Uh, Park, again, the minus 275 favorite. Munoz, someone we've liked in the past, a plus 200. Who you got?
0: I did used to really like Andre Muniz. I'm just too worried about what happens when he doesn't get the takedown now. Because in that fight against Paul Craig, man, did he look pathetic on the feet? Uh, And it's not like Paul Craig is the type of guy who goes out there and absolutely blasts you on the feet, right? Paul Craig, a guy who we've largely thought is like, not having very much, uh, m- very much wrestling or striking to speak of. He's kind of a one trick pony with the jiu-jitsu. and he had wrestling and striking to be Andre Muniz, right? He took Andre Muniz down twice, worked from on top. Uh, he seemingly looked like the better of the two striker. He gets a TKO in the fight. Like all of those things are enough for me to really be off Muniz here. And also, you know, while we are on Muniz, if you want to go back and you would look at his record, There are some things that make you question whether or not some of these wins were kind of lucky. You know, he beat Uriah Hall with his wrestling. Hall, that's kind of his big weakness. And also Hall kind of seemed like he was out of it at that time. He beat Eric Anders when Eric Anders kind of just stuck his arm into an arm bar. But, like, he was on the bottom against Eric Anders. Would that have worked out for him in the long run? And he caught Jacare in pretty much, you know, a shell of Jacare. But outside of that, like the list of people we're talking about him beating here is not a who's who, right? Antonio Arroyo, Bartosz Fabinski, Taylor Johnson, Bruno Assis. Like this is not a good group of guys who he's beaten and he's looked real bad in the last two. I also think the Iron Turtle is kind of a guy who we sleep on. I mean, like, Apart from kind of losing a, a comeback knockout loss to Gregory Rodriguez, this is a guy we could be talking about on an eight-fight win streak, uh, including three straight rear naked chokes. He's good on the ground. I think as long as he stays off the ground here with, uh, with uh, Andre Muniz, he, he should win this fight pretty easily.
3: Our dog of the week, our official dog of the week is Jamie Malarkey at plus 180. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, Jamie Malarkey at plus 180. i really like some of the technical things he's done that has made him look a little bit better. He fought a really smart fight down in Australia last year. Uh, and I really like that. Then we've seen a little bit more of an aggressive version out of him. And that's worked too. Uh, I think the big thing for him is we've worried a little bit in the past about whether or not he could take that real big home run shot punch. We saw it cost him a little bit earlier in this year. But the good news is, is Nasrat isn't knocking anybody out anytime soon. He's got one knockout in his 11-fight UFC career, and that one knockout came five years ago against Joaquin Silva, who's kind of, you know, a one-punch knockout guy himself, and they were just trading big blows. So Jamie Malarkey puts together a complete game plan here. I think he's going to have a lot of advantages over Nasrat Hakparas, particularly in size. And so I'm going to go with Jamie Malarkey here.
3: All right. Our parlay to play is Junyoung Young Park, a minus 205, and Kevin Jusse, a minus 170. So, you know, two to one favorites in both regards, but pair them together, get you plus 136 money, break it down. So I
0: mentioned why I like Junyoung Young Park. I think he just avoids being on the ground and he picks up the win here. And even if he goes to the ground, I think his sub skills hold up. And for Kevin Juse, I really liked his debut. I thought he looked very sharp on the feet. He looked really crisp with his striking. Song Kanon, no offense to Song Kanan, but is this just the guy that they bring in to get beat in every circumstance when they like a prospect? They're like, let's bring in Song Kanan because, you know, like Ian Gary, they brought him in to fight Ian Gary. Uh, Alex Marano, when he was starting off his win streak, they fought him there. You know, th- they brought him in to fight Max Griffin. And yeah, like he has turned it around and beat some guys, but the list of guys he's beating is not particularly impressive. And it's all with a big shot. I don't think he's going to catch that big shot and Kevin Jusse, Uh So let me get Kevin Jusse in there, in that parlay, along with John Young Park. And let's get some plus money on it.
3: All right. I like it. Uh, let us know how you think we did at Top Turtle MMA on the social medias. Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next?
0: We're going to transition now to my interview with Opany Pagoa, who is fighting at LFA on December 50th. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. Alright, right, joining me today is Alpenny Pagoa, who fights Jordan Harris at LFA 173. That fight is on December 15th. So, Alpenny, I wanted to start here. You know, you're on the regional scene right now, but if you look at the long list of fighters who've made it to the UFC, who fought in big fights in Bellator and PFL and all that kind of good stuff, there's a long history of Hawaiian fighters who have put on for those promotions, right? Like, that that is a, a storied history in the terms of big promotions, is that something that like you watched growing up? Is is there like a fighter who sort of influenced you as a as a, like a young Hawaiian up and comer?
1: Um yeah man, one of the greatest to ever do it. You know, I mean we could start with with who I really uh tried to who I really looked up to as far as my game with with Max Holloway, and then you go you go further than that with BJ. You know, growing up I had I had guys to look at. And uh man just the the long list of fighters that you're talking about now that we got that we got in the game now it's also insane man like to see uh to see how we have grown with the sport you know uh but I definitely I definitely want to uh cement myself as as one of those guys you know the guys that we look up to uh I want to I want to be one of those guys next you know
0: for sure. And, and, you know, so you mentioned the names Max and BJ. Those are obviously the big ones. Were those people who sort of influenced you to get into the sport or, you know, like were you kind of already in the sport when, when you saw those names?
1: Um, Yeah, well, my cousin, my cousin Colin Monsonis, who he he's the one who got me into the sport. But I've always been a knucklehead, like just fighting <laughs> in school, fighting my cousins and my brother, whoever, you know, just – just getting into trouble like that but to get into the sport my cousin actually uh he he's the one who who, who got me in this game so so tell me a little bit about that story then because
0: you know like that that's sort of a, a a story we've heard time and time again guys who are knuckleheads when they were in elementary school middle school and somebody sort of encourages them to get to the the gym and actually start to pick up the training what what was it that did it for you how did he convince you that you know like maybe maybe scuffles in the playground are not the best way to go
1: yeah well he was kind of like secretly trying to groom me a little bit for it (laughs) um because he already knew like like coming from hawaii everybody everybody and their grandmas got a little bit of hands like (laughs) like i could pull up fights on youtube where like street fights where girls are doing like one two threes with leg kicks like like it like everybody could throw hands but he really wanted me to wrestle like every year he was like hey wrestle. And, and like, I just didn't go. Um, but eventually uh, about 16, uh, my s- junior, senior year, he, 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 uh, started taking me into the gym, like seriously. And, uh, man, I just fell in love. Well, and so he was there
0: trying to talk you into doing more wrestling and, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to, you know, like write the playbook on you here, but watching your fights and I've seen a ton of your fights before in LFA wrestling doesn't seem to be your favorite thing to do did you take to wrestling despite uh the fact that he was you know kind of trying to stick it in your face
1: you know i i really love i love wrestling now um but yeah i, I wish i loved it then you know like but i'm here now and and you know i, I at the end of the day maybe i would have not been who i am if if i did wrestle so i can't i can't be mad at it i i feel like I feel like life is playing out, you know, great for me. So I just, I just want to keep on this track and keep going this way.
0: I love that mentality. Now I, I want to ask you a little bit about your your mentality going into fights because, you know, I've seen you, you know, they they show the backstage stuff before LFA fights. They show the walkouts to the cage and all that kind of stuff. You seem to be a guy who has a great time during all of that. Like you, you you're not one of those guys who's like super stoic and not saying anything. You look like you're having a lot of fun. Has that always been the case for you in MMA?
1: Yeah, man. Like I do this because it's fun. Like I I love this. Like when when people say they love it, like I don't know about them, but I love this. Like at the end of the day, if I wasn't doing this, how I'm doing it now, I would be doing this somewhere else. Like, you know, like you get what I'm trying to say?
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you you mean so so the the concept of fighting to you is the exciting thing, like the the show of it all.
1: Yeah, and for some reason, like I I kind of I don't know I never really like I never really talk about it like this, but man, just growing up, I've always wanted like I've always had like a show off kind of mindset, you know, like a mentality that way. So fighting is that fighting, like I get to it's me and another dude and everybody's just watching us you know there's not like five other guys or 11 other guys on the field or whatever we're doing that people are watching it's me and this guy and I get to show off everything I'm great at and 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 just you know and and then it's the chaos aspect of fighting which I have no clue why I love it but I do well
0: it's clearly working out for you now I want to talk to you about both fighting in LFA and fighting in LFA at 125 pounds because not for anything, you know, there's a lot of great regional promotions out there. CFFC is great. Cage warriors is great. You know, like there's, there's lots of great promotions out there. LFA is one of the top promotions out there, but it is absolutely positively a hundred percent. The number one promotion for flyweights. You have seen flyweight after flyweight after flyweight come out of LFA and not just be good in the UFC, you know we're getting champions out of there right like that's where brandon moreno came from you know all i went back and looked at the list all but two champions it's the current one and the one right before it so they got time have become ufc fighters shortly thereafter winning that title is is that part of the reason why you you have aligned yourself with lfa or is that just sort of the, the luck of the draw here
1: it's you know it's it's kind of just it's kind of just how I like, man, when, when you look at it like this, it's it's just, I feel like it's just what it's meant to be. Like, like, man, I'm just a kid from Hawaii who had his head up his ass. You know, I don't know if I could curse on this or what. Oh, but, you
0: curse as much as you want,
1: man. <laughs> um, Yeah. But you know, like I, I, I just decided to uh, listen for once. I made the move and, and I've just listened ever since. Like, like I, I, I tr i trust in the people that that uh that i have around me and you know what they tell me i just i say yes go and i do what they say and it, it just played out this way man like my coach he he had the blueprint and he this is everything he said was gonna happen like and and he said much more that has yet to happen which you know which is lining up like it's supposed to happen so i yeah man it's just I don't know, with destiny, you know, I can't, it's hard to, it's hard to. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, so I'm not going to push your hand too much. I'm not going to ask you for the whole blueprint.
0: But is part of that blueprint next, capturing that LFA title? Because, you know, I'm looking at that LFA 125 Town Division, a win over Jordan Harris on December 15th. It seems like you are probably next in line. Am I wrong about that?
1: You know, I I was thinking about calling for it after the fight. Um, because for me personally I would love to uh, I would love to prepare for a five round fight maybe even fight five rounds if the fight ends up that way win a world title be- I wanna I would love to do all of that before getting to the UFC but like I said if my coach is like nah fuck that let's go to the show then you know what hey let's just go to the show but yeah, man. For me personally, I would love that experience. I would love to get that belt. I would love to get all of that under uh, under my experience before getting to the show. So it's not the first time I do that.
2: That makes
0: a lot of sense to me. Now, obviously, before we can do any of that, we've got Jordan Harris in front of us. Now, I'm yes. curious, you know, obviously, you've not had a full training camp for the guy. We're We're moving in on fight week at this point in time stylistically how do you feel about him as a matchup because he is a guy you know I, I know you like to throw those body shots i know you like to let your hands go you're you're a hawaiian guy he likes to wrestle a little bit more maybe than you do
1: how do you feel about that stylistic matchup i mean that's been the story of my whole career you know um everybody even strikers when i go against strikers they end up wanting to wrestle and grapple um, so I just take, I, I just, I don't really, for me personally, I really don't do too much film or anything on guys I fight. I, I'll just get a general idea of how they move and, and stuff, but I'll let my coaches and everybody around me do all the film work and game planning. And I just go out there. I'm the video game. Like they'll play the sticks and I'm just the character. I'm just a character, bro. I just execute what they tell me to do.
0: All right, well I always like to end these interviews with telling me how that video game character acts on December 15th. Give me a prediction. How do you see this one ending at LFA 173?
1: Oh man, you know, it could be a grimy, it could be a long grimy fight, but man, if I just do my thing and I man, you know, I I feel like I'm the hardest hitting flyweight on this earth, man. I I don't know what it is, but when I touch dudes, they fall and and the fight's over. So I would, you know, that's that's how I see every fight going. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been
0: Alpudi Pagoa, who fights Jordan Harris at LFA 173. That fight, once again, December 15th. Alputi, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, my man. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Heart Hydration. And remind you guys, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Danny Gubby Freeland, He's Shockwave Dave Termonte. And we will catch you then.